Welcome to another episode of Plenty. I am so excited to introduce you to a woman who is actually my neighbor. And we found out at an open house at pre-K four at our daughter's school that we were in the same industry. And as we started chatting, we went to follow each other on Instagram. And it turned out that she had literally just tagged me in a post about reading my book, Do Less. So Vilma is the number one female paid speaker in the Latin American market. She has over a million visitors to her website every single month teaching entrepreneurship and conversion, so digital sales. She consults with Fortune 500 companies like Dell in how to increase their digital sales, and her curriculum is used in most business and entrepreneurship curriculums in Spanish-speaking universities. She is an incredible woman. She is funny. She is wise. I really love how unapologetic she is about who she is and how successful she is. So in this episode, we talk about Vilma's background with money and how she rewrote her own money story. She shares some behind the scenes of some mistakes she made in her marriage, running her business with her husband and how she cleaned that up. She talks about some advances she's made in the last year or so as a leader, how she got better at delegating, we talked about how to teach kids about money, and there's a very funny moment where she describes a moment on Christmas morning when her daughter made a particular request regarding money that I think you're going to find funny and eye-opening, and so much more. Also, the importance of dressing for success, which really opened my eyes to some more possibilities in fashion. So if you are an entrepreneur, if you are a marketer, if you just want to step more boldly into your own version of success, this episode is for you. It is also a big deal because it's Vilma's first podcast interview in English because she's trilingual in Spanish, Italian, and English, but she usually does all her content in Spanish. So I'm so excited to be the first to get to interview her in English, and you are going to absolutely fall in love with Vilma. Enjoy. Welcome to Plenty. I'm your host, Kate Northrup, and together we are going on a journey to help you have an incredible relationship with money, time, and energy, and to have abundance on every possible level. Every week, we're going to dive in with experts and insights to help you unlock a life of plenty. Let's go fill our cups. Please note that the opinions and perspectives of guests on the Plenty Podcast are not necessarily reflective of the opinions and perspectives of Kate Northrup or anyone who works within the Kate Northrup brand. Hi, Kuzma. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Kate. I'm excited because this is going to be officially my first interview in English. <laughs> and English. Yes. I, yes. In fact, I, yes, I was looking and uh -huh. I was like, is it possible? that Plenty is Vilma's English debut. Yes, it is. I'm so happy about that. And I'm Me very too. happy you're here. Okay, so I wanna know. Okay. You grew up in the Dominican Republic. Uh -huh. Were your parents entrepreneurs? My mom, she wasn't. Uh -huh. Actually, my mom worked for me right now. I know she does, which is yeah. so amazing. How many one, years has she worked for you? Three years. I think what, that's one of the things uh, that I love most about to be an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, because I got that my mom 
quit her job for 23 years working at the same company with my uncle. And now she worked with us and she's like amazing helping us to recruit like the talent that we need. Oh, but my dad actually was really famous in the Dominican Republic. My dad has a Wikipedia page and he was like one of the biggest celebrities in my country. He used to have a TV show on TV, a radio program. He used to help a lot of politicians. Yes, doing speeches and getting like amazing results. So yes, from my dad, he was an entrepreneur, but he wasn't good with money. Actually, okay. <laughs> he was making a lot of money. And actually, I have something fun because I remember that my, my dad used to call you like, yes, you can came to, to get your monthly payment. Like, okay. And we were like getting the checks, like everybody. He called everybody. Come in. I got money. And if you didn't change the check early, there were no funds anymore. Yeah. So I was the first one. Changing that check uh, the other day. Uh. <laughs> so, yes, that was kind of like my, my dad is very famous. He make a lot of money, but, you know, it wasn't like something more stable that I saw mm -hmm. as a kid. Mm -hmm. So you learned by modeling that, you know, you, you could be like a public persona yes. and do big things. But then what do you think that mm -hmm. you learned about money from that style of modeling from your parents? I, I wasn't doing it, I think, in the right way because I was so afraid to not having money the other day. So I was obsessed with saving. And my mom, as an employee, she was always saving. And my grandma, she still used like the, the, the pocket, like a strategy that she put money into the different envelopes. envelopes. Yes. Yes. So my grandma still this day used that method. So I was like, okay, I can do that digitally with different accounts. And, I, and I'm doing that right now. But my grandma and my mom, they are like obsessed. You need to save. Like every time like I call there and I'm like, oh, we just did a launch and this is the biggest launch ever. I'm so excited. We made that kind of money. And they are, are you saving money? Are you thinking about your future? And I'm like, okay. So imagine I was upset with saving that. It was hard even for me to buy me something like as a gift or as a bonus because I did something amazing. So imagine like the opposite all the time. So I had to rewrite my story with money because when business was like not having a good month, I was feeling scared that I can lose it, everything, that I, was, I wasn't able to make more money in the future because of my past. Yeah. And... Do you remember the moment mm -hmm. when you realized you needed to rewrite your money story? Like, was there a moment in time that was, what was happening then? It was like, uh, we were growing so fast. That's usually what happened with a startup. And if you do the things like in the right way, but then like, uh, I started seeing that we weren't growing. We were like stable and I was so afraid. And I started thinking the worst, you know? And I have 40, uh, 45 people, 45 family that they relied on my business, including my family members. So that was like a big responsibility. And instead of like asking for help, I started feeling like afraid. I couldn't sleep at night. It was like the worst thing ever. And I was like, okay, this is a problem with my mentality, with my, my mindset. So I started learning. 
I start reading a lot of books. I start listening to a lot of podcasts about money. And then I discovered that with a small change, because I usually was the entrepreneur that when end of the month arrived, oh my goodness, I had to pay that much to payroll, you know? Yeah. So every time that I was getting like money, I was happy. But every time that I was about to pay to other, like sharing my success, my revenue, I was feeling bad. So imagine the bad energy that I was giving. I was like, good energy when I'm receiving, but bad ed- energy mm-hmm. when I'm giving. So I did that small change and everything changed. Like I started to wow. be more grateful, not only for what I'm making, but for what I can pay. So right now on my annual goals, there is like an amount of how much money I want to pay to others. Yes. And that's going to be like the perfect like uh, KPI mm. for the success of my business. I love that so much. What a beautiful KPI. How much am I able to give to others? Yes. Between provider, affiliates, payroll. Yeah. Even my salary is how much my business is able to share with others. Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Now, one of the things that I know about you is you're a brilliant marketer. And even though I do not speak Spanish fluently, I speak it enough to understand that you're a brilliant marketer from following you on social. And you speak all over the Latin American market. And so I want to know, like, how did you get started with your speaking career? And how did you, what are some of the tips that you have for Mm -hmm. building the level of success that you have as a marketing expert, first as a speaker, and then we'll get into, I have some questions about marketing. Okay. So I have 12 years mm-hmm. being a speaker. I was an employee and I was a speaker. I used to take like vacation days so I can travel like from Madrid that I used to live there to Mexico, Colombia, whatever they hired me. And my friends were like, why are you taking vacation to more work? And I'm like, hey, I'm working on my future and I'm doing something that I really love. Because I don't know if that happened to you, but for me, when I'm on a stage, it's like I belong there. And I just want to be there. So that's one of the reasons that I travel so much even right now. And my strategy was very simple. At that moment, I wasn't thinking that was a strategy. But (laughs) now I put it a name because, you know, I'm a marketer. I love it. It has names to everything. (laughs) So my strategy is very simple. It's like my free content, it's better than the paid content of my competitors. So because I publish a lot of content, but I use time blocking. Like, for example, just like you, you do different interviews in one day. You focus on one task, you excel that task, but then you save a lot of time. So that's what I do. I record, I think it's like four hours a month, we record for six-week content, yep. and vertical content. So it's very easy. People don't understand that. And that's what I do. I teach a lot for free. And because I sell also pay online education and I sell my career as a speaker, people say like, oh my goodness, this was free. Can you imagine like if we hire her or we pay to her? So that's like basically my public, my digital public relation campaign and my strategy. And I use a lot like people, can you recommend it? Uh, me as a speaker, I'm going to give you like a commission. Smart. I know. I, we don't do inbound. So we never call like a company. Do you want Vilma as a speaker? Because we, we, Sorry, we use inbound. We never do outbound. I see. Yes, nobody from my team are allowed to like try to sell me. So they're not pitching you. No, 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 no. But we receive a lot of inbound because they're doing the things that we are doing. And also this program that I have behind the scene. Like if you refer me, I'm going to give you a commission. It's really smart. Okay, I love that because people who hire speakers yes. know people who hire speakers. Of course. 
dollars. Yeah. So okay, I love that. Very, very, very smart. Okay. Now, when it comes to marketing, mm-hmm. so much of the marketing world changes, especially oh, yes. because you and I are both in the digital marketing world. And so, what are like your top three? Let's say your top three marketing strategies okay. or pieces of wisdom that are timeless that a hundred years from now are still going to be true about marketing that you lean on every day in your company? Okay. I think one of the mistakes that a lot of entrepreneurs do is like they only try to attract new customers and they forget about the clients that they already have. So most of the time, the marketing that I'm doing, the social media content that I'm posting is not only for new followers or new clients, it's for my actual clients. So what I do is basically I docu-selling, I call it. Like I document everything that I'm doing. Docu-selling. Like docu-selling. Love yes. it. Like my assistant is recording this behind the scene. And she's going to be posting like, oh, my first interview. That's going to get me more interviews. Yeah. And also that's going to position myself as an expert. So that's important to yeah. do it. And I do that like every single day. But most of the time, that's not marketing for new people. That's marketing for my existing client. So they see that I'm, oh, Vilma have progress. Vilma is getting better. Vilma will be an amazing mentor for me. Vilma will be an amazing teacher for me. So that's my first recommendation. You need to work for marketing for new clients and for existing clients. And I also, we discovered a formula in our business. We know if a product is going to be a bestseller, if 50% of the paid clients were existing clients and the other 50% are new clients. So you know that you have a bestseller that you can scale if 50% were existing client that they saw the value to buy again from you. Yeah. Something, something compli- new. Yes, something new and complimentary. And then you could convert stranger into client. So every time that we have 50-50, we know that we need to scale and we hmm. need to put more money. So that's the first thing. The second one is like people think that we need to choose between uh, quality and quantity. You can have a both. Like there is like a small difference to be ordinary than to be extraordinary. So what I do is like, okay, I only have one hour. Maybe I can record 30 reels, but I can record 15 good reels. And what, one of my strategies, what I can do today with the resources that I already have. I cannot be thinking, oh, I should have more money. I need more time. No, what I can do. And for example, right now, the reels that are working for us is like, I go to the street to record. I, I, was, I met your husband a few days ago on my parking lot. Because I was recording video and you think like, no, I need like a big studio. No, you need a phone, not a selfie mode <laughs> with the other part. <laughs> and you, you just need to record with a good microphone that you can get on Amazon, like cheap microphone. It's going to, no, it's going to be the best quality, but it's going to be good. So that's something that we need to do most of the time. And I think the third strategy is like leverage AI and automation. You and I both, we use that. And our cost is descending while everything is going up right now with marketing advertising. We get cheaper leads. We get more leads. We get more sales because we are leveraging AI, automation, and chatbots. So right now is amazing. Not a lot of people do it. So we have a, a, a huge opportunity. That is so true. I've been doing chatbots on Facebook, I think, seven years. Wow. Yes, seven years. Since the beginning of ManyChat, one of the mm-hmm. tools that we use, 
I was working with them, doing on Facebook, and it was amazing, the results. And now we are doing it with Instagram, and we are doing it like everywhere. In every social network that they allow to do it, we do it because it's easier. Yeah. And you need to think what is going to be best for you, your business, and for your clients totally. also. Totally. And I just recorded an entire episode this morning, which is probably live already, with our mutual person who we're yes. a client of, Natasha. And I loved that just from meeting you in pre-K4 at a <laughs> parents gathering, it turns out we were also doing the same strategies behind yes. the scenes with our digital yes. marketing. Okay, so I love that. So number one, we're, we're just reviewing now. Number one was make sure that you are not only marketing to get new clients, but marketing to retain and serve the clients you already have. Yes. Number two was you can have quantity and quality. Yes. And you want to not ask, what else do I need? But ask, how can I use the resources I already have? Exactly. And then number three was using AI and automations. Yes. Okay, fantastic. Now, you have been able to really carve a huge audience and a huge platform in the Latin American market. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. There aren't that many women leaders in yes. digital marketing. I don't know how it is in Latin America, but in the United States, it's still a bunch of white guys. And so I'm curious, mm -hmm. what are some of, I mean, obviously you're a woman, obviously you're native Spanish speaker, but what are some of the additional things that set you apart as a business owner that you think have contributed to you being able to build a large audience and a large platform to really serve millions? This is very interesting because if I see my Instagram account, my metrics, I will have more uh, female than male. Mm -hmm. But when we go to see pay clients every year, I have 50-50. Really? Yes. So for me, that's a good KPI because even like a male entrepreneur or employee in a company, they see the value. Yes. But I think my one of my strengths is like I have consistency. Yes. Like I show up every single day. Yes. It could be pre-recorded content. I'm not going to be lying. It could be like a, we are recycling content, but I always show up mm. every single day. So at the beginning of my career, it was really hard. So I just talked uh, with a, like a company that they sell you as a speaker, and they told me for the Latin America market that only 25% were female on stages. And I was like, I thought that we were like less because every time that I go to an event, Maybe I'm the only female speaker or I'm the only one that is on main stage. So I thought like your number doesn't make sense to me. But I remember that the beginning of my career, I was an employee having a, like a side job, selling online. I used to play the victim role. Oh, it's because I'm a female that I cannot sell. It's because I'm a woman. Like, a, oh, yeah, they sell more because they're men and they're more, they have more confidence and they don't have, like, a mental issue, you know? Like, I feel small instead of feeling bigger or feeling secure myself. I used to play that victim role. And then I discovered, look, I'm not doing good to anybody, either me. So I said, like, uh, if I can get good results, the female leader like the industry and the market in general, I can be an inspiration to other women. So my example is going to be the evidence that if I did it, you can do it too. So that's why I don't see competitors because when I see a competitor, I'm seeing like, oh, you are the evidence that I can do the same. I just really want to do that because sometimes you are like comparing yourself to another competitor and you don't even want that result or the price 
to get that result. But in my case, it's like I love to see people succeed because that's an evidence that I can do whatever I want. So I had to change that part. And once I change it, like I'm growing like a huge community inside of my community of women that they run me letters every time that I travel around the world and they said, please do not stop what you are doing because you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a business owner. So you inspire us that we can do the same. And it doesn't matter like the age that we have. So I wasn't expecting that, but now that's part of my mission to keep doing that. And one of the things that I actually use is dress to impress. Yes, I love this about you. You always look amazing. And I found out that you actually have an entire extra room dedicated to your amazing wardrobe, which my husband, Mike, was like, Vilma, can you please not discuss this? (laughs) Katie was like, Kate, our guest room is not becoming your closet. But talk to me about your relationship with fashion. I think it's actually really interesting. Like, tell me more. Okay, the first thing, because people, when they... Like, if I talk about fashion, they think, like, I spend a lot of money on fashion. Even my friend, they say all the time, my best friend, and I'm going to say, like, uh, you can spend your money the way that you like. I spend the money the way that I like. Yeah. And also, people is afraid to say, like, for example, that one of their hobbies is to do shopping. Like, for me, one of my hobbies, like, I read. Every morning, I'm reading. I'm learning. But I love to go shopping. Like, it's something, like, magical for me, and I love it. So I enjoy it, but... Every time that I'm taking things from my closet, eight people use my clothes. So it's amazing because it's like a cycle. Like I'm using it. I don't feel like I don't have a connection anymore. I don't see myself using that anymore. So I put everything in, in like a suitcase. And every time that I go to Dominican Republic, I put all those dresses to my family and friends. And eight female, they get to dress. That's so wonderful. So that's my circle, the first thing that I do. I love that. And and I'm not waiting like things are not worthy anymore. No, no, no. Like uh, sometimes I take things with the ticket, but I, yeah, I just you buy something and it just, yeah, you're feeling a moment in the store and then you get it home and you're not feeling it. Yes. Yeah. And this is the thing. Usually 90, 99% of the time, I never return something. If I bought it, usually I just pay the car. So yeah. <laughs> I already pay for yeah. that. I never give the clothes back. Uh-huh. So I just give it to other you person. Just pass yeah. it along. Yes. So you are really like allowing yourself to be a conduit of resources. Yes. Beautiful. All, all the time. But I have a stylist. Mm-hmm. I've been working with her for four years. It was a rough bet because at the beginning, my closet was only black. Mm. I'm just using black again four years later, actually. Because uh, I used to go to Macy and buy all the Calvin Klein's dresses. And it, it was black. like a uniform for me. Every day, like, you know, navy blue, black, sometimes white. It was hard for me, white, but, Uh and it was so boring. And then I was feeling insecure all the time. Usually, you know, it's not only for men. When I see like a really well-dressed woman and she looks so confident. And then I discover that when I was putting things that I really like it, I was watching myself on the mirror and I was feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm invincible. Mm. And just because what I'm wearing, that is something that I like, is not like a trend. Right. I, I, don't, I don't even buy things for trends. Usually I buy things that I can use for years and I can reuse. This skirt, I've been using this skirt this year, like this is time eight maybe mm-hmm. that I'm using it. Yeah. And I don't care. And I show to my, my Instagram account like, hey, 
Please repeat. Yes, absolutely. Please repeat and use it again. And it doesn't matter. Why? Because I like it. Why am I not going to be reusing something that I really like and love? And yes, most of the time, every week I'm buying new things that I love, especially for my talks. Yeah. That now I'm using like big skirts, uh -huh. long skirts. And I'm impressing even like the corporate guys that they are so hard to impress. And they, after my talk, they go to me and they say, the way that you dress yeah. and the knowledge that you have, I just want to congratulate you. And I'm like, okay. So that's what I use the, the, the phrase, I dress to impress. I love that. First myself, because I need that confidence to feel comfortable and then to impress others. So mm -hmm. they will never forget about you. Well, that's the thing. It leaves a mark, right? Oh, it yes. leaves a, they remember you. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you do have the goods to back it up. Like you're oh, yes. very smart and you oh, know yes. what you're of talking course. about. You your content to... <laughs> is excellent. But we we are, you know, we are visual creatures. Oh, yes, we, we are. And we do so much of communication. You know, I know you know this. 90% of communication is nonverbal. And so a lot of it is what is the visual. And it doesn't mean we have to fit the standard. No, no, no. You no, know, no. you're saying like you're, you're dressing what feels good yes. to you and what helps you feel confident. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Talking to you about fashion has really expanded my horizon <laughs> in terms of like, oh, maybe that matters more than I think. Or like maybe I'll go for it more. Now, for you around mm -hmm. the transition of when you went from – dressing in only black or navy blue what was happening in your life and in your career four years ago where where like you felt like you were ready to start dressing in color I know it might seem like a small thing but I think there's something no. important there that was happening energetically I I even thought that I was depressed I mm. think at that moment but I have been doing coaching with the same coach for six years and I was asking I remember every Friday Anna, you think I'm depressed? And she was like, no, you don't know what is depression. Like, I promise you are not depressed. And I was like, I just don't feel good with my life, with everything that is going on. And I have everything. I was having a business that was growing. I was having a healthy little baby. And then I discovered what happened. It was like, nobody told me that the day that Emma was born, I reborn. Because I used to be, okay, Vilma, a successful woman, a speaker, whatever, all the tags that you want to put me. But I was a mom. And I didn't know the feeling of being a mom to be responsible of a kid, like for real. Because you can imagine what it's going to be, but until you have your baby, it's, it's different. So I lost myself. And I couldn't lose all the weight after the pregnancy. And now I even have like less weight than before my pregnancy. So if I see myself the picture before having my daughter and now I'm like, like, I'm looking so much better right now. But because I made peace that I was another person, yes. I rediscovered myself. I think I fall in love again with me, but with the new version. And I start to value more things. I start to put a lot of limits. Four years ago, I start to put limits. No, I don't want this. I don't like it. And I started to, like, be a rebel. Yes. And, and even my mom and my family were like, why are you doing this? And like, I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't want to do it. So I won't do it. And it was so hard at the beginning. I think it was harder for me than to other people. But still this day, I'm putting limits to everything. Even to my daughter, she's like, mommy, 
can you play Barbie with me? Honestly, I don't want to play Barbie playing. <laughs> and that, that's that me. is so my parenting Boundaries. <laughs> so I'm teaching her that when she doesn't want to do something, she doesn't have to do it. She can speak herself and say what she wants. And sometimes I'm the one like, Emma, do you want to play Barbie? It's weird, but sometimes it happens sure, to me. of course. And she's like, okay. Or sometimes she's like, I don't want mommy. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. But that cost me a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that I invest a lot of knowledge, like professional knowledge. Yes. And personal development too. Yes. But like the therapy and the coaching, oh my goodness. I think it doesn't matter how much I spend, it's not going to be an, never enough. No, it's an ongoing lifelong process. So one of the things that we also have in common in addition to being moms in running digital marketing companies uh -huh. is also being married to our business partner. Oh, yes. And <laughs> I, so I want to know a little bit more about your journey with Jose. Did you go into business when you first met or what happened? Like, how did the business come about? How did you end up being business partners? So I was an employee in yep. an agency. And in a marketing agency? It was or a marketing agency, but we only used to work with music branding projects. Okay. It's what, it was an agency only for music branding. And... We needed like a technology team mm -hmm. and my husband, one of his company is like a technology company, software development and whatever. And I asked to my ex-boss like, oh, can I refer you to my boyfriend? He has a company. And we started working together. He was one of the providers of the agency. And then he was like, oh, we should like create a startups. Like it was like a, something like digital for social media. We did it. It was, it was okay. But he was working. When we moved to Miami, we decided to not put all the eggs in the same basket. That was like the strategy at the moment. And I think that was smart because it got the chance that he could decide if he really want to work with me. And it's not like, oh, this is now the legacy. This is now the family business. No, it doesn't have to be that way. I know that sometimes it doesn't matter like the husband or the wife, whatever, decide to push the other person. No, this is mandatory. This is like a family legacy. It doesn't have to be. In my case, Jose was working with the other company when we moved here. And he was helping me. Like, I promise you, every small lounge that I was doing, all my evergreen, like, funnels, because he is a tech guy. And he said all with this story. She converted me into a marketer. And I was helping her. And he never asked for $1 the help that I was doing, he was doing with me. And then we did like a launch. Oh my goodness, Kate. It was like, I was, I was, I had never saw that kind of money in my bank account. I remember that I was like on my bank every day, all the time. Like I was watching. She's looking, yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> there was a lot of money. And I think Jose was doing the same because after a few days, after we, uh, we finished the launch, he asked me, I'm going to be working with you. How much are you going to pay to me? And I was like, oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. I don't want problem with our marriage. So the same amount that I'm making, you're going to be making the same amount. So it's going to be 50-50, okay? So you need, you don't need to worry. We are not going to be, oh, no, you make more money than me. And I think that was like a wise decision because still this day is not easy because I'm the face of the business. So I get more like recognition and I have more fame than he has. Because now he's starting also to show, you know, like I'm surprised, but yes, that's cool. Yeah. And it hasn't been easy, especially because we were trying to be two CEOs at the same time. 
Tricky. Tricky. To boss, there yeah. is no boss. Yeah. I, I learned that in the hard way. <laughs> and it cost us like marriage therapy also. And since like, I think it was three months ago that we, um, we decided to not do it anymore. I was hired my coach. She was in the middle of us every two weeks. So we could make decisions without fighting or without putting like our personal life in the middle of the business. And I think that was really helpful for a, a lot of time because you had us to have like a safe space. I'm telling what I want. You're telling me what you want. And together we decide what we are going to be doing. So what I recommend is always ask for help and take the help. Yes. Because sometimes you pay for the help, you ask for the help, and you do nothing. Right. And you stay in the same place. So right now, I think we are in a good place. Actually, I'm surprised how good we are doing right now, everything with our marriage, with Emma, because she's getting older, it's easier. Yeah. And in the business also, now we don't care about the problem that we used to care in the past. But I also think that both of us, we write our story with money. Because I promise you that every time that we were like fighting at home, usually it was because something unrelated with money. And it wasn't that we were losing money, but I think it was, we were scared. We were operating a business, not about only scarcity, but we were afraid. We were operating a business by the fear. And I think when we both changed that, everything started to change. Um, mostly because we both thought that we had to work eight hours, 10 hours a day. So we went from to be operators, even if we were business owner, to be like a real founder. So now the team that decide to work with us, we give them responsibility. Yes. And they do a better job. Like, I'm not on the top of them most of the time, and they do a better job. How amazing. It's amazing when you decide that no more, I'm not going to be an operator. I'm going to be a founder. And a founder is a visionary. 10% ideas, 80% the team do it. And you 10% review and say, okay, this is ready to launch. When we change that, both of us, we rewrite our money story. I think everything started going like mm. really well. I love hearing that so much. So what are some of the things mm -hmm. in that transition that you stopped doing as an operator mm -hmm. that you were able to let go of and let your team do? Like what are just some practical examples? Like for example, I used to be really bad delegating. Mm -hmm. because I thought that I could do a better job. And that's your ego talking. <laughs> so you put down your ego and you start to act like a, like a leader. And a leader has other leaders. And a leaders grow, so the other leaders also grow. And a leader, they don't have, a they don't, they don't have fans. They have followers. They have people that believe in their mission. So I just try to be an example to my team. So they see me as a high performance leader. They see me as a high achiever. So they can see what I want and the way that I work. I had to be honest, it's not easy to work with me because every time that I do, I try to excel. I try to be extraordinary. You do have a high level of excellence. Oh, yes. yes. And, and I think that's the best that we deserve yeah. and my clients deserve. Yeah. I think that's the way, that's one of the values of my company, right? But... Then when I start to delegate, and it was incredible because I was starting, I was start to having a lot of free time. It was like, oh, <laughs> I have nothing to do. 
this is amazing. And then my coach for a few months helped me to learn how to be bored and enjoy to be bored and enjoy to not to do nothing. But then I forgot the follow-up. And then when I was waiting for the result, there were no results because I was good delegating but not doing the follow-up. So I had to learn again in a bad way how to do it. Right now, what I do is like I take my time. Maybe when I want to delegate, I can spend one week creating one email with everything, all my expectation, all the things that I want, all the help that I can provide. Like, for example, I use an app that is called Noted. That app, I can record voice and you do the transcription. So instead of sending like WhatsApp audio or emails that nobody will understand, I put my heart into every task that I want to delegate and I help them. And after I'm done with that, sometimes I ask, how can I help you to do your job? Yes. That simple question changed everything. Great question. So yes, I'm delegating with purpose, maybe. We call it that way. Hmm, what else I think I'm doing? Follow up, I'm doing more frequently, mm -hmm. but in meetings. Like I do yeah. weekly meetings, weekly meeting for approval, weekly meeting to create, to innovate, to, I don't know, plan something else. Because otherwise... You had to stop to do your yes. things to do their it's things. It's very disorganized. Yes, it's yes. very disorganized. Well, and that's back to time blocking and batching. Oh, yes. So that you're doing the same kind of task for a day or for an afternoon or at least for a couple of hours or whatever, and you're not constantly switching contexts. Yes. And the last thing is like every time that they call me, we have a problem. Oh, they say me and email. Oh, no, 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 no. If you have a problem or the company has a problem, bring me your solutions. Yes. And together we are designing what solution use or try. But because I promise you, sometimes I went to the office, I go to the office and I'm like, it's only 12 and I feel like I'm so tired because I was making decision the whole time. And you need to make quick decision with not a lot of information and it's gonna be my responsibility. So now we also share the responsibility. So mm. we together decide right. what is gonna be the best. I love that. So much. Very, very, very smart. Okay. So, and then with your daughter, uh -huh. so we, I, you know, I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, but you have your five-year-old daughter, Emma, who's in class with Ruby. Yes. And I want to know how you are talking to her about money because already our five-year-olds are aware of money. They're asking for things. They're whatever. And so what are you, what are you teaching her are there any systems that you're setting up around allowance or savings or just any anything like that? So we haven't started with the allowance part because Emma did something that I'm still thinking how to react to that. So what we did last year, you know, Santa Claus, <laughs> give to her her first wallet mm -hmm. with money inside. And we put 50 euros because we were about to go to a trip to Madrid. And to Europe. So we decide so she can start like to paint for things, whatever she wanted. Mm -hmm. So we decided 50 bucks was, was okay. And when Emma opened the wallet, she asked me, where is my credit card? Because I don't use cash. I only use cash to give to, uh, away to other people because I have a generosity wallet. And she was like, where is my credit card? And I was like, okay, I opened my wallet and I say, I cannot give you my credit cards because they have my name. 
and sh- and I, but I said like I have a gift card. It's only half like I I, I think it was like eight dollar, and she was like, "That's not enough, mommy. I want your credit card or just like that credit card that you use it and use it." So I'm still figuring out how I'm gonna explain to my daughter how credit card works because we are living in this moment that she doesn't see cash around. And so that's the reason why we are not doing that anymore. But the relation with money, because I was raised in a way that I'm good, okay? Don't get me wrong. But I think I can do better for my daughter in the moment that we are leaving. And so she can have like tools that will help her to get through their problem with money in the future. I explained everything to Emma about money. Like, so Emma, you know that I'm working and because I work every two weeks, I get money. So every time that I get my payroll, Emma, I got my money, my salary. I start like, so she learned like, okay, my mom and dad, they are working and they have salary. And then I explain, for example, I don't know, to my sister, one of my best friends, my assistant usually go a lot to my place. And I say, Emma, we pay to them too. So they have a salary too, because they help us in an amazing way. The help that we have at home, I said to Emma, we pay and we pay really well to her because she's very important mm-hmm. for us. She's the one she's taking care of the house. She's the one that make your lunch boxes. So I try to explain the whole thing. And every time that I go outside and I work as a speaker because I'm leaving my daughter, I say, Emma, remember, mom always leave, but mommy always come back. You need to remember that. And then I say, what is going to be doing mommy? And she said, mommy's going to be doing something that she loves. She's a speaker mm-hmm. and she helped a lot of people and a lot of families and she make money. And my husband was shocked the first time that she said that. And he said, like, can you remove the money part? I'm not. No. She need to understand that I'm getting out of my place, not having my, you know, all the things super comfortable that we have when we, we don't have to travel because I'm making money and that money is going to be buying things for our future, investing in our future. So we have that kind of conversation. For example, my husband was raised the same way than me. No, we don't have money. I don't have money. And Emma was another, again, another teacher because we went to Target. And I was like, no, Emma, I don't have money. Because she wanted like two toys instead of one, uh-huh. typically. And when we went to the register, I was having like a full car. And she said to me, you lied to me because you said that you didn't have money pay for all of this and she was really serious and that hit me so hard so every time that my husband was like oh my mom no we don't Emma no we don't have money I'm like uh, no 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 in this house we always have money but we have priorities yes so we change we don't have money that we have priority or this is not the best moment or we need to choose what do you prefer you want to go to a vacation like because kids are smart Saying yes. so when you travel like tourists, main cabin, and you try a business class, they already know the difference. So Emma asked, can we travel to Spain in the, in, in the plane that has the bed? And I'm like, so every time that she's asking for Martin, I remember, Emma, you want to go in the bed or you want to go in the seat? And she's like, no, I want to go with the bed, mom. So yes, we need to use in a wisely way the money. We cannot spend money without thinking about that, because then we get good present, good gifts for us. So that helped me a lot Mm. with her. We are still working on that. And I think I like it the way that we are doing. I think I could learn even more. 
we're trying to explain right now how she can invest money. Yeah. Because, you know, she's losing her teeth. Yeah, teeth. Yes. And, Los dientes. <laughs> and she's getting money. So yes. now we need to start thinking like we are going to introduce her how she can put money. Yes. And then get more money back. So that's the next I step. I love that. I remember one time I ended up sitting next to a eight-year-old girl, uh-huh. I think, on an airplane who was like an unaccompanied minor on or a, yeah, unaccompanied minor on an airplane. And somehow she and I got to talking about money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is before I had kids. And she had been given, she was excited. She had been given money to take on her trip with her wherever she was going. And so I started to try to explain to her the benefits of investing in compound interest. And I came up with this whole metaphor about gardening and watering your garden and how the plants just keep growing, but you have to plant the seeds. And I don't know that she got it, but um, it was very funny. And I think that our kids, like if we teach them the value of time that they have now early, if they invest that money, that it can turn into more money. And I think there's got to be a gardening analogy that would work. So I love that. We'll keep talking about how to teach Ruby and Emma and Penelope about money. And you need to then record that because I I think a lot of parents. I'll uh, come up with it. Yes, I think a lot of parents will need that for sure. I'm doing a lot of reading right now because it does feel Penelope just turned eight. You know, So it feels like, okay, like it's important. Like now I really want to teach them. and, And like you, I turned out okay. And I would like to be a little more conscious about it than, than my parents were. Okay, this has all been so wonderful. I just love hearing more about your story. And I'm curious. I have two more questions. Okay. One is, what is your dream right now that you're working on? What is your next vision that you're working towards? Because you have created tremendous success. You run all of these companies. You have a beautiful home. You have a beautiful daughter. You, you know, speak all over the world. And, you know, you do a lot of things already, but I know that you're very ambitious and there's always more because you're like that. So what is next for you? So I just discovered this year that Grand Cardone did 200 million with the educational part of their businesses. And I said, in a year, and I said, okay, that was selling in English that you have more people to sell than in Spanish. Is that true? Are there more English speakers in in the world than Spanish speakers? I think that's true. You think that's true? At least people that they don't have the English language as first language, they understand and they know English as their second language. I see. Right. That's the reason why there's overlap. Yes. Okay. So I was like, okay, I can do 100 million a year between all my businesses. So that was like the, the seat of the big plan that I'm still working on that because what I do is like I have a business plan for my personal brand. And one of the things that I want to achieve on one of the income sources that is speaking, I want to make $1 million as a speaker in one year. Yeah. I, be, I had done that in the past, but in, not in one year. Because if I achieve that, that will be a KPI of my success on stages. And I had to keep growing as a speaker, as I improve my communication skills, the teaching part, everything. So that's one of the things that I want to do. And it's not also about the money because, you know, after that, it's not about the money. It's yeah. about how can I be the best paid yes. speaker in the Spanish-speaking world so I can impact and I can be the evidence to other women to do the same. But if I close my eyes, I have to be honest, every time without the economic and financial goals, if I close my eyes, I see myself traveling around the world writing a lot of books around the world, 
doing a lot of talks on stages and helping companies as an advisor. And it is hard because that will be like I had to do homeschooling with my daughter, that we have to be traveling a lot most of the time. So that's a conversation that we are having, like I think every month, Jose and I are still planning on that because I want to ask to my daughter in a few years, do you want to have that kind of life? Because right now she loves to travel. I think it's going to be the same with her daughters. But I don't know if she really wants the other part. So I'm waiting for her to be old enough that she can choose what the future she wants for her so we can take a decision as a family and not me imposing my dream over my family dreams over the path. So that's my plan, but let's see. I'm not in a rush. I used to be in a rush, Kate. Like I promise you, I was like running all the time, like thinking like I'm not in a rush anymore. Actually, I was for eight years in my comfort zone because the natural path will be like, oh, you keep growing, you keep growing. And I was like, do I really want that for me? Or I want to do it because I'm supposed to do it. So I spent eight months listening to myself. A lot of quiet time, me time, all the time, staying at home, no working, no fun, no nothing. Listen, what do you want? Because, for example, this is going to be super, super stupid, but I used to love to TJ Maxx. Like I promise you, still to this day, I love to go to Hamigoods and TJ Maxx yeah. and buy amazing things that you find, like a treasure, and you pay nothing compared to the yes. rest. Like I love to do that. And then I start, like, every time that I was doing here in Miami, Hamgood, TJ Maxx, I start, people start to recognize me. And I heard them, oh, my goodness, look, she's here buying. And, and then they go through you, can we take a picture? And I was like, no makeup, you know, hoodie, whatever. And then you start thinking, like, my life is not private anymore. Whatever I do, I will have people that will know me for my exposure on social media. And I was like, do I really want that part? That like taxes that you have to pay to be like a well-recognized people? So I didn't know if I really want that. And then after eight months, I decide that I'm going to try it in another, like now I have another mindset that it makes people happy sometimes when they met someone that they admire. But I couldn't understand that, Kay, because I never had this fun moment with someone. Like, even when I admire someone, like, I don't know, Tony Robbins, Ryan Cardone, and I got the chance to be with them, I'm not like a fan. I'm just a grateful person. Yes. So I couldn't understand people that when they were, like, having that moment. So I couldn't understand if I really want that for my life or also for my daughter. Because, for example, we are not taking Emma anymore to malls. Because when I get to people, they want to take a picture with my daughter and I don't want to sound like, you know. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. It's a safety I know. Like issue. I expose my daughter when I want, but you exposing a picture with yeah. my daughter, I'm not comfortable with right. that. And I had to be honest with that part. So, for example, we are limiting my exposure yeah. to malls in Miami mm -hmm. because I have a lot of community around the world. And, you know, Miami is their favorite place in the United States. Absolutely. So everything, everywhere that you go here in Miami in a mall, you will find tourists from everywhere. So, yes, that was like a hard thing. That was one of the biggest limits that I put this year. Boundaries. Interesting. Yes. I love your talk about boundaries. It's so important. And it yes. really boundaries add so much to the richness of life. 
Okay, my last question is, if you could go back and tell yourself a piece of wisdom, mm-hmm. something you would want to tell yourself about money, and you're about, you know, the age somewhere where you're going off on your own. So sometime between the age of 18 and 22, in that age range, what would you go back and tell Vilma about money? Keep invest in your knowledge and skill and skills because once you have the knowledge and the skills, you can make money always. Like I wish that I knew that before because now I consider myself one of my tags. I love to put tags on myself. I don't mind. It's I'm a money maker. I can impact and help people while I'm making money. And I thought that that was like hard and, and that was like something mean to say, like you're a money maker. No, it's not that I care only about money, but I know how to make money while everybody wins. So I wish that someone told me that when I was like between teenager and an adult life, that you invest in knowledge, you, education is a solution. I, yeah. I truly believe that. That's one of my screen uh, saver on my phone. Like every problem that you have with the right education, you will get through. Like your book about money had helped a lot of people why? Because they were thirsty for the right education to start working and taking care of their story or their problem with money. So yes, now I love to be a money maker. I love to teach entrepreneurs how they swift their mindset. Yes, I'm a money maker. And it doesn't matter if you don't have a good amount. It doesn't matter if like a debt was too high or you did like bad movement, remember. What can I do with the resources that I have? That's one of the things that I love to be now an American citizen. It's like here is the country of opportunities. But also I travel around the world and people think because they are from Dominican Republic or Argentina or Venezuela, they think that they cannot succeed because of their countries. And I said, look, if in your country people is making money and in those countries a lot of people are making a lot of money also, why you can't do it. They are just like you, but maybe they have another mindset, they have another vision. So start learning not only about how a people is successful now, ask them or listen to interview from them how it was at the beginning, how they really started. So that helped me to put like focus because sometimes you put, oh my God, like, oh my God, look, hey, she's so successful because I want to tell a story. Like one of my friends from Spain, told me, you need to read this book, Do Less. I was like, it makes sense because I was a workaholic. I was working a lot. <laughs> My friend from Spain, and I obviously I bought the book from Amazon and I couldn't stop reading. I was like in my bed and my husband was like, are you going to be finished that book today? And I was like, yes, of course. And I put a story tagging Kate. And then we met at school and we were like, oh, give me your Instagram. And we discovered that I was tagging her. She was my neighbor. <laughs> so funny. It was so funny. So funny. <laughs> so yes, that. thank you for that. Too. Oh my God. So beautiful. I just love listening to you. I love your enthusiasm, your knowledge. You've opened my eyes and helped me expand my own vision. And thank I'm you. so grateful for that. So if people want to connect with you more, where should they come find you? Vilma Nunes. That's you can look, you can put Vilma Nunes on Google and you will find all the social networks, everything. Everything is in Spanish right now. But I think this podcasts and other things that I've been doing, they're going to be like an opportunity that I'm going to take. 
to explore. So At least I'm going to explore again. I'm so excited for you with that. Thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation. I appreciate you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Plenty with Vilma Nunez. It was so fun to get to dive deeper with my neighbor and fellow mom at school and incredible digital marketer, entrepreneur, and speaker. So I know for me, I'm taking away some really important lessons around how to talk to my kids around money, different things about roles and responsibilities with my husband at work, and how to think about marketing in new and different ways. Plus, I'm going to be looking at my closet with new eyes. So I'm excited to hear what your takeaways are. Please go ahead. If you liked this episode, rate our podcast, leave a review, share it with a friend, tag us on social, and I can't wait to see you on the next episode of Plenty. The review. Subscribe to the podcast, text a friend, and let them know they need to listen in. That helps us spread the word so more people can experience plenty together. And if you want to ease your path to creating wealth, I created a money breakthrough guide for you where I interviewed over 20 of my high-earning women friends, and I asked them what their biggest money breakthrough guide was, and the responses were so mind-blowing and helpful I knew I needed to pass them along to you. This is the kind of thing that is often only shared behind closed doors, but now you can access it totally for free. So head over to katenorthrup.com forward slash breakthroughs and get the guide. Again, that's katenorthrup.com forward slash breakthroughs. And I'll see you next time for plenty. Plenty.